This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. Doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. My guest on the podcast this week is Dr. Nadine Hashhash Haram, co-founder of Proximy, NHS Clinical Entrepreneur Fellow and TED Speaker. The big idea really behind Proximy is that we needed to try and do something to redress the balance between supply and demand around the world. Five billion people don't have access to safe surgical care. Whilst the technology is incredibly exciting, it's really about how we utilize technology to, to solve these pain points. How can we deliver care to the most people with the resources that we have? And that's why we have to get smart. We have to think about new disruptive ways to do that because our, our historical traditional ways of doing that are no longer working and we're, we're at a crossroads now where technology can really, really transform healthcare. It's really about winning over the hearts and minds. And it's usually through clear use cases, clear benefits that you can do that. We need to start thinking globally and we need to think about how we can really crowdsource knowledge globally into one place where we can all communicate and work together independent of, of geographical areas. This is Nadine. She's a curious surgeon with a passion for technology and innovation and a desire to make a difference in the world. This drove her to co-found Proximy an augmented reality platform that allows doctors to virtually transport themselves into any operating room anywhere in the world to visually and practically interact in an operation from start to finish. Proximy aims to provide safe, accessible and cost-effective surgery to every patient in the world. I really got inspired by the big idea behind Proximy after seeing Nadine's TED talk in December. I believe this is a very compelling showcase of how technology can be used to augment the unique strength of human to deliver remarkable value. Hence, I invited Nadine to share her story in this podcast. And during our interview, you'll learn three things. Firstly, how, by focusing on key pain points, technology can solve problems of global scale. Secondly, what's required to ensure solutions deliver transformative impact. And thirdly, why it's key to think exponentially. So to start the interview, Nadine, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, about your background, and also about the big idea behind your company? So my name is Dr. Nadine Hashash Haram. I'm a reconstructive surgeon in London, and I'm also the co-founder of Proximy. And Proximy is an augmented reality platform 
It's a software that allows clinicians to virtually transport themselves into any other clinical setting to visually and practically engage and collaborate with other clinicians to ultimately deliver uh, the best care to patients and improve quality of training. The big idea really behind Proximy is that we needed to try and do something to redress the balance between supply and demand around the world. And there are really sort of two different strands to this issue. On the one hand, we know from the Lancet Commission, from other reports, that 5 billion people don't have access to safe surgical care. So on the one hand, we feel that such technologies can play a part in democratizing access to surgery you know, around the world. But on the other hand as well, in rich and developed countries, they're also not immune to this problem, the problem of supply and demand in local areas, concentration of care and specialist cares in big cities and big teaching hospitals. And often what you find in the peripheries is that there's that lack of access, that patients have to travel far for care, or that there's an inefficient way to deliver care to them. And so Proxima is really an attempt to use technology to find a solution to these problems. And it was really founded on the premise that whilst the technology is incredibly exciting, it's really about how we utilize technology to, to solve these pain points. Exactly. So what is the solution? How does it work? Sure. I mean, it's founded really on the principle that, you know, with digital communication, two people no longer need to be in the same room to collaborate effectively. And with tablets and smartphones and all kinds of devices that we have, we should be able to now collaborate through a pretty natural feeling communication over a distance. And so what we've done is we've taken your standard telecommunication tools, but we've added a layer of augmented reality to it that allows you to input digital content into a live collaboration or live feed. So that really allows you to sort of blend the actual world with a virtual world. It can sometimes be referred to also as mixed reality. But the idea is that I can be sitting here through any of my devices, my phone or my tablet or my computer, and I can actually virtually join another doctor. Together we can assess a patient. I can put my hands into the field and point out certain things uh, about the patient. As we go into the operating room, I can guide that clinician step by step where to make the incisions, what's the best place. And we can, it's a collaboration. It's a two-way communication. This is not a sort of didactic one-way relationship and it's always easier to show someone as opposed to telling them and you know we are not you know historically clinicians have communicated through such ways through telehealth and telemedicine but this really adds a whole other layer to it a much more visual layer and a much more experiential layer exactly so i mean this actually this idea could could scale globally i mean there's there's no limits to to region no limits to well, to, to developed or underdeveloped countries. So what do you believe is the opportunity and how big is it potential to, to scale out? And I think here the opportunity is huge because at the core of what we've done is that we have devised the software to be very lightweight. It is device agnostic. And what that means is that basically clinicians, people can use all devices that they generally already have, like a phone or tablet or computer. What we've also done is we've made it very intuitive for clinicians and how we kind of deliver care, quite efficient, straightforward to use, not complicated, not cumbersome. What we've also done is that we've made it to work on low bandwidth. And I think that is a difficulty when you're trying to bring in cutting edge technology around the world. You need it to scale around the world. And so it needs to be able to cope with the different bandwidths that are available around the world. And so we have integrated bandwidth adaptability into our platform. And so with all these features being lightweight, working with most devices we already have, and working on pretty low bandwidth, it means you can really scale it 
and that the same user in a first world or developed country can get the same use and experience with such a software as a person in a, in a remote or austere environment. Uh, and that's something we're really proud of because we really believe that everyone should have access to such technology, not just those in the developed world. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, and it's, it's indeed not something that's only in the developed world because in the developed world, you have these type of issues as well of, um, you know, the, the, the supply of particular skills and people with, with particular expertise. But the moment you go to the, to the other parts of the world, that, like you said, the problem is even going to be bigger. Uh, I yes, I mean, I'm, a, I mean I'm, an, I'm an NHS doctor. I work in the National Health Service in England. And, you know, we all have these pain points. It's no different in the US. It's no different in parts of India. We, we all have this supply-demand issue. And so how can we deliver care to the most people um, with the resources that we have? And that's why we have to get smart. We have to think about new disruptive ways to do that because our, our historical traditional ways of doing that are no longer working and we're we're at a crossroads now where technology can really, really transform healthcare. It actually opens up a lot of a lot of other type of issues. Like how do you organize this? I mean, how do you know that there are particular people with certain expertise available? And how do you drag them into these type of uh, scenarios? Have you got any experience with that already? Yeah, I mean, what we do is we work very closely with hospitals, with medical schools and with device companies. And the aim is that, you know, we understand that these all, there's an intersection of all of these in healthcare. In a hospital, hospitals provide training. They also provide care and they also need to learn and, and get experienced on new devices. And so we work with institutions that have centers of excellence and we provide them, you know, we work with the technology with them. But also we are approached by a lot of clinicians and doctors from all around the world that want access to the software that want to be able to use it to collaborate. And it's, it's, it's a very nice position to be in because you know, people can see that it solves a problem. So there's a lot of inbound excitement and traction now towards this. And that's great because you know, one clinician sees how two are working together and it drives them to want to use it as well. And it's, you know, it's a network effect. Yeah, I, I can imagine that, yeah. So from the, the aha moment, like when the, when the idea started, what yeah. had been the journey? Can you explain a little bit about it? Sure. I mean, the aha moment happened probably around 2014. It was around the Google Glass time. And it was really, um, we were, I was working in a kind of a, a global charity in the Middle East. And we realized that actually such technologies could allow us to connect to a lot of people um, regionally. And then, you know, through that, I met my co-founder. And he comes from an engineering background, completely telecommunication engineering. And I come from a very clinical background. And together, we were really able to bring our strengths to the fore and help develop a technology that we really felt clinicians would benefit from and therefore ultimately patients. And, you know, we took our time for the first year because we really didn't want to just jump right into it. We took our time to develop a minimum viable product and to really test and validate that. And we tested that for about a year between California and South America, between a cleft surgeon based in um, the University of California, Riverside, uh, and, a, and, a, and a hospital in Trujillo in Peru. And over that year, we were able to show that actually this clinician didn't need to travel to Peru anymore to train these doctors and upskill them. He was able to do it all remotely. And we were able to upskill these surgeons by about 30% in the space of a year. Wow. And thereafter, we were reached, you know, people reached out to us from more austere environments to use this technology to provide care in, in, in conflict zones. And we could really sort of see that this was making an impact. This was improving patients' care and, and the delivery of care. 
And based on that, we built a team around it. We raised some funding and we've but you know, had a really great year this past year, kind of growing the team, improving and scaling the technology and working with some amazing people around the world. can imagine, yeah. So what challenges did you face? Uh, were, were there any specific ones that are that seemed impossible to do and, uh, and how did you overcome them? Well, I mean, I think, you know, as with all new and disruptive technologies, there, there is a kind of an early kind of curve where people are unsure, you know, this is a whole new way of doing things, uh, you know, augmented reality and healthcare. And how does this all fit into what we traditionally have done? And medicine is very traditional in how it's taught and it's in how it's delivered. And so, you know, I think it took a few, you know, a few months for people to really kind of wrap their head around what we were trying to do and, and how this was going to sort of change healthcare. And it's really about winning over the hearts and minds. And it's usually through clear use cases, clear benefits that you can do that. And we were very fortunate then to work with some institutions to deliver those use cases and show the impact. And since then, it's been smooth. I think you really have to make sure that you have, you know, really good stakeholder management. Because when you walk into a hospital and you're talking about this new and disruptive software that's going to improve healthcare delivery, it's not just about winning over the doctors. It's about winning over the hospital and the executive team and the IT department and, and all those that kind of need to also believe in this technology. And so we, we got really good at doing that. And I think that was one of the big things. Make sure that you really engage all stakeholders and perseverance. And I think those were the kind of the, the, probably the, the big challenge, I guess, when you first face. And I'm glad to say we're sort of beyond that now because we're getting a lot of traction inbound, which is great. Yeah, I can imagine. So from what I understand what you just said, the problem was more people rather than it was technology, correct? It always is. And I think, you know, we often underestimate the change management or the, 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 the change in how we do things. Because it's not, in, no matter what technology you're bringing in to a healthcare system, it's not just about installing it saying, okay, here, go. It's really about making sure that everyone is engaged in, in using it, is comfortable using it, and that there's a, a really good sort of change management process. I think that's often underestimated estimated in healthcare and as a clinician and you know being you know as, as proxy is designed by doctors for doctors we understood that as a kind of initial thing and we spent a lot of time with our early institutions focusing on that and it's yeah. always it goes back to the point i made earlier on it's not about the technology itself it's about what the technology can deliver and how you win the hearts and minds of those who are going to use it and the patients who are going to be you know part of it as well yeah i understand I understand there's a saying that, that innovation is, is not about what you do, but it's actually about what you not do. Were there any specific things that you had to say no to or that you deliberately said no to? I think, as I kind of tried to allude to earlier, we are very clinician-driven. And I think it's very easy in the technology sector to try and get excited about all the new you know, transformations in technology and how you can engineer all these really fancy parts into, your sort of, into the solution you're trying to deliver. And I think we try to resist trying to make it too complicated or too complex. You know, you can make, you know, we've, we've seen systems, you've seen medical record systems, you've seen other systems that are very, very complex and actually are not intuitive uh, because they're trying to add a lot of things into one, into one space. So I think we, we try to really focus on what we were trying to do and make sure that the software uh, and that the service really delivered that and that it was simple because you can achieve a lot with something that is simple 
but really practical and powerful. And I think that that's the, the key sort of the, the key thing we did. Yeah, I think you touched upon two two elements. There were also the, the part of the interview that I did with Mauricio Vecchione. That was my first mm-hmm. podcast. And he spoke about a concept called catalytic invention. Uh, but uh, disruptive new technologies are more than just new technology. They have to, well, the ability to really catalyze a sea change in a problem by making it, he was talking about the three A's, appropriate, affordable, and accessible. And I think you touched upon appropriate already by explaining that, that you mixed the knowledge and experience from, a, from you as a clinician uh, with, with an engineer. Mm-hmm. The accessible part is, like you just explained, making it really simple. Have you done anything on the affordability side? Yes, I mean, we, you know, we try, you know, we, we provide it on a, on a very simple licensing model where we try not to make it too complicated. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a licensing fee and people can access all the features in it. And, you know, we haven't really spent time talking about the features even within it, but, you know, within Proximy, we have sort of three kind of key products. We have mm-hmm. the Proximy Live which allows the clinicians to interact together visually and practically, as we talked about, putting their hands and you know, almost virtually scrubbing in. We have the Proximy Library, where we're collating the content that we're sort of producing, where that, that's happening in real time, that can help people come back to and learn from at a later stage. And we also have the Proximy Consult, which allows you to be in any clinical setting, outside an operating room, interacting, having a consultation. And through these three different, you know, areas within Proximy, you, you, we have integrations with great partners like Elsevier, where all the content from the Elsevier library is being served up and curated in a smart way in real time. And so, you know, for the license, you know, you get quite a lot within the Proximy platform because it's important for us about the impact so much more than, you know, Proximy wasn't built initially as a kind of, from a business perspective, it was built in sort of trying to deliver a change and trying to improve patient care. Yeah, true. Um, and so, you know, it's deemed affordable around the world. Yeah, you got a good point there in terms of how you can use it, how you can flexibly use it in both live action, but also in a completely different way with live consultation. So I was thinking when you were talking about the fact that it's augmented reality, obviously everything can be recorded and can be used as training material as well. Yes, That's absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So from, from everything that you've done so far, I mean, you've now, you know, four years, three years, three and a half years into, uh, yeah, into the program. What advice would you give to, to other ISVs or software companies based on the lessons that you've learned? I think the first, you know, I think first of all, it's the team is really important. So making sure that, you know, you have a really great team around you because, you know, we know that technology is capable of wonderful things. But the path is really important, and it's not always straightforward. It takes, you know, perseverance and patience. And, and health tech is a is a really fast paced and moving space. So, you know, you have to make sure that you have the product right before you take it to market. I would also say to approach your project with a sort of open mind, you know, and to and to be open to feedback. You know, we spent a lot of time with advisors and key opinion leaders, really listening to what they had to say about our product and trying to reiterate our ad, you know our product which is agile to yeah. to make sure that we were delivering the solution that they felt would be best and that's the kind of real beauty of technology you know discovering different possibilities and ways to you know to deliver a solution but also making sure that you listen and take that feedback on board um, and i think those were the kind of 
two key things because you know proximity and myself and my co-founder wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the team that works with us for the team that was patient enough to kind of listen and try us out early on those very very early kind of users so you know i think that's very very important to keep remembering those people exactly and this advice comes from from working really with proof of concept right in the field yeah and and you know one of the things that people often underestimate or ignore is also patient feedback and you know patients are a really important part of all this and you know we you know the patient feedback was as important to us as the users and, and as the kind of technology team itself yeah so one thing that that uh, got me thinking about what your technology is about i mean you can use it, of course to, to do um, medical treatment would you see that your solution could also be used in other areas maybe completely out, outside of healthcare 100%. I mean, the, the software is, is so kind of, it's designed to be so user-friendly, you could almost use it in any industry, engineering, in, in multitude of industries. But for now, we are very focused on healthcare. And I think that's where our strength is. And that's the kind of the market we know very well, because in our team are a number of clinicians that, that work with us on a day-to-day basis that add a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, I can see the problem as well. I mean, from your TED Talk, you know, and uh, I think you mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast as well, 70% of the world population doesn't have access to this. So I think there's a clear a clear why here that, uh, that needs to solve Absolutely. Absolutely. And as I said earlier, you know, it's for us, again, it's not about the technology itself. It's about the kind of healthcare industry and how we can hopefully play a part in, in improving that around the world. And I'm sure many people are going to play a part in this, but we're proud to play a small part in it too. Yeah. And uh, well, I think you got a great solution there. So, final question on the um, yeah on the idea and, and on the product. What's next? What is your? What do you? How do you want to take it forward? Well, I mean, the concept has evolved, you know, quite a lot from when we first had the, the germ of the idea, and, and we're working now to continue to to grow our kind of our network and improve the scalability of our platform. We are exploring larger, newer markets around the world, which is very exciting for us, parts of Asia, parts of South America. And we're really just focused on delivering a great solution for these areas and hopefully making an impact for their patients. But of course, Proximy was designed always to be a backbone software, a software that could integrate with any device from a phone, a tablet, a a DaVinci robot, a laparoscopic stack, to really anything. And so we will continue also to work with those device companies to continue to see how we can support and embed within the solution that they're trying to deliver as well. Exactly. Understandable. So if there's anything you could ask from the audience, what would it be? How could they help you? It's a very good question. I think, you know, there's always, as I said, in healthcare, a a resistance to, to new ways, to traditional kind of, to new ways of doing things in a very traditional setting. And I think we're really starting to see a big appetite now for these transformations. So it'd be really great to just ask people to keep an open mind and to consider how these technologies may impact their local communities and the kind of the wider world. I think we really want to change from, you know, we need to start thinking globally and we need to think about how we can really crowdsource knowledge globally into one place where we can all communicate and work together independent of of geographical areas. That's a good way to, uh, to finish it off. Thank you very much for your time and for your inspiring story. It was really appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And to all of you listening to this podcast, 
Thank you for tuning in. I had the honor today to speak to Dr. Nadine Hashhash-Haram, co-founder of Proximy. You can find more on Nadine and Proximy in a number of ways. First of all, there's Twitter. The Twitter handle of Nadine is the following one, and I'll spell it out for you. At D-R-N-A-D-Z. Dr. Nadz. You can, of course, also find Nadine on LinkedIn, but obviously you can also go to their website, which you can find at www.proximy.com. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.